Good evening and welcome back to Masks Weekly Radio Show on Family Matters. Mask mothers and fathers align saving kids, kids of all ages and all stages for all mental health struggles, including addiction. If you know someone that needs a referral for a therapist, an inpatient or outpatient program, please give us a call. Our number is 718-758-0400. I'll repeat the number. You may want to jot it down for yourself, a loved one, a neighbor, or someone you usually sit next to in shul. Our number, again, remember, all calls are kept strictly confidential. You can even call anonymously. Our number again, 718-758-0400. I'm really excited about having on with us once again, Somebody that is known by Dr. B, Dr. Hasya Hatsko, who is a leading clinical child psychologist for over 20 years, and she works both with children and with parents. She also trains professionals. Her specialty is anxiety. ADHD, a wide range of disorders that help with families bringing up children ranging from the age of three all the way to adulthood. So I would like to welcome on Dr. B. How are you? Thanks for coming on again. Thank you for having me. I'm so flattered. A repeat performer. This is great. Well, thank you so much, Muhammad. And um, you know how strongly I feel that MASK does so much good work. And so I am really excited to be here today to be able to discuss things that will be helpful and empowering to parents and to children and to families. Thank you. Always great speaking with you and collaborating. So today's topic, we are going to be speaking about ADD and ADHD. So first, for my listeners, can you just explain what ADD is and ADHD, please? Okay, so ADD and ADHD have already become, you know, ways that people in the world, you know, even children are using these terms. So what does it mean? So there are really, it's attention deficit hyperactivity disorder or attention deficit disorder. And really there are three different types. There is the inattentive, which is really a child who shows or an adult who shows patterns of inattention, um, having trouble staying focused, uh, not really feeling like they're listening or taking an instruction, having trouble organizing, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's the hyperactivity or impulsivity um, uh, symptoms. And that would be if they're predominantly hyperactive. And that is uh, different. That is uh, having those kinds of over uh, a lot of uh, 
hyperactivity and um, a lot of uh, wiggleness and, you know, that, that the children can't stay in one place as well as, as, uh, as is needed. And then there's really the mixed type, which is um, it's combined. There's inattentive symptoms and there's also hyperactivity and impulsivity symptoms. Thank you. Dr. B, you have a, um, a program that is designed to help parents navigate these complexities and conditions, to offer them tools and resources to help their children thrive. Do you want to speak about that a moment, please? Right. So it's very hard for, um, for parents to be able to fully gauge what's, you know, th these are with a child when it comes to ADHD or ADD, you want to look to see that it's happening under more than one circumstance, that it's happening in two, two arenas. So at home or at school would be two existing arenas. And for that, you, we want to make sure that we have a really a wide range of support that will go into being able to handle this level of symptoms. And so what I do in my practice, um, and the research supports this, is that I provide therapy, either in the form of behavior therapy, um, social skill training, parent skill training, and, and really, the approach really is to allow for the child to be empowered and for the families to be empowered under a range of different difficult situations. And sometimes when it comes to ADHD or ADD, parents or teachers, um, or even they themselves are focused just on one area. So, oh, um, they, they're not sitting still in the classroom. But when you really understand that symptom, you see that it's not just standing still in the classroom that's the issue, but how does that then translate into um, how they are at home, at the, at the table, or how they are among kids in social experience? Uh, you know, um, and, and so really the approach is a widespread approach that helps to provide treatment in a lot of different ways. It talks to um, what happens and how we can be adaptive to them in, um, in, in school, at home, socially, and allows for parents and kids to have their part in it. It's not just about a magic wand and like hocus pocus, a child is, who has these symptoms that are, they're just gonna be okay. No, we have to look at it in a variety of different ways, empower parents, the child themselves, the teachers, and, and in that way, it's a comprehensive approach. Really looking at a symptom and saying, here's what we have, and now let's work on it in a very comprehensive, matter-of-fact way. Um, oftentimes, there are parents who come to me and say, is there a magic pill? Can I just give my child a pill and everything's going to go away? And my approach is not that at all. First of all, I'm not a psychiatrist, but even if medication is um, indicated, and we can talk about that, there is no magic pill because at the very least, 
uh, medication does one thing, but there are these other areas that we really want to empower, cope, and teach and, and focus on to really get that comprehensive approach going to help the child. Right. So let's talk about genetics and, okay. and how it plays a role because when usually there is, you know, a parent gets a phone call, the kid is in third grade, they say, oh, we need your child medicated for ADHD. And right away, parents said, angry, frustrated, oh, I don't want to medicate my child. And let, let's speak about how the genetics plays a part and how usually parents look at themselves and know they may have ADD or ADHD and now their child may have that and they may not want the child to go through what they may have gone through in school but they may not be ready to give meds. So I want to also add another. So first of all that is a, a question and a, and a situation and a scenario that I get so frequently. But if a child has a genetic predisposition to ADHD, meaning that there's something in their genes, and I always take a very strong uh, family history. So really, one of the symptoms of ADD, ADHD is what we call executive function weakness, which is that they can't get from point A to point B um, very easily. Like they want to be there, but the steps that are required to get there are not so free flowing. So, for example, they might drop the ball um, oftentimes in the process. Parents who have genetically given over um, to their children, you know, ADHD, ADD, right? So it's in the genes, let's just say, they too might be not as efficient as following through. They are not as efficient as doing those. Um, you know, doing the uh, behavioral interventions, the charts, the, the tools, the, the follow through. And so that has to go into the equation when you're trying to treat a child with ADD, ADHD. And so I understand that, you know, there is the, I don't want to medicate my child necessarily. And we go through the steps and the ideas of what it means to actually, um, medicate the child, we go through pros and cons that perhaps were not as efficiently and comprehensively thought through because again, there's executive function. And I understand that a parent might have an emotional um, feeling towards, you know, I, I, you know I, I don't want my child to have to go through what I went through. And that is very reasonable. But by the same token, it is important to recognize that there are different supports that are in place now than there were, and that the parent themselves, because of their predisposition, might not be able necessarily without a, a certain level of support to fully acknowledge all of the steps that, that would be needed by themselves. And so a big comprehensive picture is the most important one. And a lot of handholding, if a parent has ADHD, is needed as well. And so, you know, uh, medicine is one piece, and perhaps to some it's the taboo piece, but really there are a lot of pieces involved, and there are a lot of follow-through that is required. And so 
But looking at it in a comprehensive way is really important when a parent is and has a predisposition for ADD because they might over, you know, not look at it exactly the way they might have an emotional reactivity to it. So when a parent is being emotionally reactive, their limbic, their limbic system, their emotionality is what's talking and not necessarily what might be best for their child. And so it really does let we need to support the parents in fully understanding all of the parameters of what it means and what it doesn't mean, what really medication means and what it doesn't mean, demystifying it. Because truthfully, there are a lot of you know, preconceived notions of what it means to be on medication. And not all of those are correct and not all of those are applicable. And really having a very comprehensive approach to whether or not a child should be, be on medication is where you can rely on, on a professional who's taking that step away and, could, who, and who can give that. And, and you know what's interesting is that most parents feel like, oh, the school is picking on my child. Why are they just, you know, picking on him or her when there are other kids that are acting out as well? And we go into sort of a denial where we're not realizing the child lives at school eight hours a day and or unless they're younger course and some more than eight hours a day and they're watching the child how the child is acting and they know that there's something that's going you know different and a little bit out of the regular box so we're actually hurting our child if we're not really um addressing this properly and taking it seriously because then they start to count the squares in the ceiling. They go out of class and they get into trouble. They do things out of class in the bathroom or whatever, and it could become a behavioral problem, correct? A hundred percent. And there's a social ramification. Right. You know, if you know the, if children in the classroom, so first of all, you know, there are definitely one of the questions that I oftentimes ask parents to ask the teacher when they're getting negative feedback is relative to my child and relative to the class. So relative to the whole class, if the whole class is, you know, out of their seat running around and, and a parent doesn't know that and they only hear, well, your child is out of their seat running around, right? Then that's not really a realistic picture. So relative to you know, what is going on with the classroom is an important piece that, that, you know, that teachers should be making mention of it. And if they're not, it's important for the parents to ask. By the same token, right, you, we, we, uh, when, they're, when they are getting negative feedback, so teachers are one part of it, but if kids are judging a child to be socially off, because that child is being impulsive and being what I call not matching with the group, then that is something that is going to go into their memories and is going to create a picture for this child that is going to be very hard for them socially and emotionally, both presently vis-a-vis -vis in the classroom, but also outside of the classroom. And teachers can see that many times. Many times, teachers, you know, they are educators. They are not psychologists. They're not neuropsychologists. They can identify that something is off in the learning, in the learning situation because the child is not 
doing what the other children necessarily are doing, but we can't always take what they say as being, you know, oh, so they're diagnosticians. They're part of the, the, the comprehensive picture and they can say that there's an issue, but they can't determine fully what exactly that issue is. That's for deeper probing and that's for, you know, that's for um, other professionals to be able to fully determine that this situation is ADD or ADHD because impulsivity, hyperactivity, um, distractibility, executive function could be a function of a lot of different, a lot of different situations. It could be something of a learning issue. It could be something of a mood issue. It could be something of a, you know, a, a, a behavior issue, a medical problem a sleep issue. It's not necessarily because other things do resemble ADD, ADHD, but parents should acknowledge from the teachers that they're making, they're not just saying it just to say it, hopefully, but rather because they're noticing that something is awry and it behooves us to take, make use of that information to the best of our capability. And the earlier that you look into it, the less of a behavioral problem it can become as they get in older grades. A hundred percent. When we have behaviors that have been, you know, that have been reinforced time and time again, then those behaviors are much harder to, to, uh, to change and to do something with. When we set behavioral patterns early on after doing something for eight to 10 years, that's going to be way harder to, to do anything than we would if it's just newly developed. And relationships, the kind of identification that a child has with school, that they're a, a good student, if they're a well-liked by their, by their peers and their teacher, they're not the class clown if they're not, you know, meant to be, and they're not, you know, and, and so they feel good and their identity is still intact when you catch it early. Later on, that's layer upon layer of negative feedback and identification that is not a positive identification. And that doesn't work when you're trying to holistically empower children. So the reputation of the child gets affected from a young age if it is not dealt with properly it can then become that the teachers or the friends just go with oh yeah he's the kid with the ADHD yeah he has a behavior problem and goes with you in the next grade and the next grade and if it's not addressed properly and dealt with Right. And Rukama, I'm not about labels. I don't like labels. I don't appreciate them. I only like for them to be large enough to be provided as a, as honestly, as a roadmap, somewhat of an understanding to help with the backstory, to help. But I don't use labels. I don't believe in them. But I do believe that what happens when a child has an ident- has a, a problem that is not fully identified and recognized is that a label is created. And that label is not a positive one. And that label becomes much more of an issue. And so we really do need to take stock of what, what the feedback is from school and do something with it so that a child doesn't have an unnecessary label following them for the course of their, of, uh, you know, of their life, and especially not in the course of their schooling. 
Absolutely. That's what I meant about reputation, the labeling. So I want to bring up something, and that is the impact of electronics on kids that are ADD. I mean, they're sitting in front of their iPads. When you open up any anything on the computer, the news, let's say we go to look at the news and we see everything moving all around in 20 different directions. You know, I get a headache looking at it, so I can't even imagine what happens to that brain that's ADD. A hundred percent. There is something that happens to the brain that does not allow for there to, it's overstimulation. We live in a world that is overstimulating and it doesn't help when a brain is already on, it has that type of pattern. Now it is very, very hard because parents, especially if they themselves have ADD, ADHD, it's much easier to put a child with ADD, ADHD in front of an electronic device because somehow um, the, you know, the distraction is not as distracting and they can go, they go, ooh, they get zoomed, they get like really goes right in and it becomes an amazing babysitter. Um, and, and so there is definitely a piece that, you know, it's just much easier. And it's nice to see that my child is sitting for once. And it's nice to see that my child looks like a duck and talks like a duck for once. But it's not helpful. If anything, what it does is it it changes the brain patterns. It doesn't allow for brain connections to be made. And when they are, um, then they're just wired so that sleep becomes an issue. And sleep is such an important, important factor. And so anything that is going to disrupt sleep is not going to be in anyone's favor. Um, There are definitely, if we want to flip it for the positive, because I'm all about positivity, there are definitely apps and good beneficial ways to make use of electronics to allow for a child to do better learning because now they're, you know, they're, they're zoned in and they're much more apt to do that type of learning than they're just doing paper and pencil. And it's great to see in classrooms that they have different types of learning styles that are involving computers because children are now programmed to, that's how they, you know, a lot of them, that's how they learn best. But we do have to acknowledge the negative impact and also just the overall, um, uh, continuity that happens outside of the classroom, outside of the activity, and what it does long-term to the brain. And, and the, negative, the negative outlook is, is really something that we have to contend with um, as, as a whole. Um, it's, it's very hard for parents to contend when other parents are allowing for it to happen and not having the limits. Um, it's, it's, it's hard to be the only naysayer on the block. Right. So before we run out of time, I really want to bring up the conversation of do we medicate or don't we medicate? But before I do, I want to just say that mask does not hold from medicating or not medicating. Everyone needs to do whatever their doctors, therapists advise them. But I want to give both answers about medicine and also 
alternative medicine, please. Okay, so I first want to understand that there's a difference between, well, let's just talk about what medication can do and what a medication doesn't do. So medication is not going to fix the chemical issue, right? It is not going to do that, which means that it is the equivalent of wearing glasses, meaning as long as the child is on the medication, then there's going to be a boost or a balance in certain level of brain chemicals called the neurotransmitters that will help with signs and symptoms of inattention and hyperactivity. It could be as long as the, the, whatever the medication is, is in the system, but it is not going to fix it. So it is not going to be, um, you know, a, uh, a vaccine that then will change things forever. So there are different types of medications. And again, I am a psychologist, not a psychiatrist. I believe in the mind-body capability. And I do believe that there's so much that can be done in terms of uh, what else, you know, the, the therapies and the ongoing lifestyle and home remedies that can be done in order to best change, again, what we were hoping that would be happening with the uh, signs and symptoms of inattention and hyperactivity. But if you are looking at medication, there are different types. There's the stimulant medications that go in and out. They're short acting and long-term acting and or even a patch that can be worn on the hip. There are, and it varies, the dosage varies and it takes time to find that correct dosage. And there are significant side effects or you know, anywhere from significant to less significant side effects that you have to contend with. And so that's really where you have to have a good relationship with your doctor to be able to really hone in on which medication and what uh, and what dosage. You know, there are things that, that could be looked at both in terms of physical as well as psychiatric issues that come up from being on the wrong medications. Um, there are all different types of medications besides for stimulants. There are everything from antidepressant to uh, a guanfacine there, uh, that work to slow down the child, and and those are all options that can that definitely come with you know pros and cons, um, and that's where a doctor really is important to come in. But besides for that, there are there are different types of non medication um, that that you know that are definitely there is yoga meditation. There are different vitamin and mineral supplements. Now those have less definitely you know um, definitely have less solid research to prove efficacy, but there are definitely still ways that, um, that have been tried. They're not fully scientific, but it doesn't mean that they're not helpful. Um, special diets, again, there's room to play around to say that it's not that it's going to negatively impact. Again, you have to speak to your doctor about it, um, but there's definitely um, room to consider that that there can be a reduction in symptoms. People that take medication, take any sort of vitamin supplement, you should always do it with the, under the guidance of uh, a physician or someone that is an expert in, in, in alternative or an actual medication. Thank you. Well, very important conversation. I hope to continue. Uh, this conversation because behavioral therapy is so important with ADHD. But we're running out of time, so I hope to have you on again soon. 
And thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And, and wow, you know, the mask for parents, for children is just such an important, important and integral, integral part of getting support for our, for our people. And uh, I just kudos to all of you for all the hard work that you do. And please feel free to reach out um, both in terms of um, my private practice or gobysociety.com or on my Instagram account for continuing any question in any way that I can be helpful. Of course, I would love to be. Thank you. And anybody that wants to reach Dr. B, feel free to call Max 718-758-0400. I want to wish everyone a very good evening, a beautiful Shabbos. And always remember, hang in, hold on, and still for now virtually hug tight. Please go on to maskparents.org and donate so that we can continue with all the mask programs tonight's show is in memory of Rivka Bas Yisrael. Thank you and Thank have you. a good night.